This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What's going on, everybody? Paddle and Finn has got a meetup going down October 16th through 18th at Eastport Marina and Resort in Alpine, Tennessee, which which falls right on Dale Hollow. What we're going to be doing is just hanging out, fishing, uh, depending on the number of people that show up and the interest, we may do a small tournament. Uh, we will have some stuff to give away Saturday evening. We're going to do a hangout and a little little barbecue action. We'll have food for everybody. If you're looking for lodging, you could stay right at the resort. It's $50 per person per night. Um, and what you get is your own personal bedroom on a houseboat, luxury houseboat, courtesy Eastport Marina. That's a special price they gave us to lend to our listeners. If you want uh, more info on the resort, you can go to eastport.info and uh, their website will pop up there. You'll see all the houseboats and things like that. A majority of our hosts are going to be there and we would love to spend some time on the water with you. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. You're listening to Bass Fishing for Moves on the Fan Podcast with your hosts Ryan Milford and Sean Lavery. Welcome back to Bass Fishing for Noobs on the Paddle and Finn podcast. I'm Ryan, got my co-host Sean. Hey, what's up everybody? And uh, tonight we have a very special guest. Um, you know, one of the biggest names in tournaments uh, for kayak bass fishing right now. We got Mr. Russ Snyders in here. Welcome to the show, Russ. Hey, thanks for having me on, you guys. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, man. Uh, Pretty much everybody that's been fishing out of a kayak for a while, or definitely everybody in the tournament scene knows who you are. But uh, for the people that 
may not know who you are, if you don't mind real quick, go through like who you are and and uh, all that. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I'm from California originally, grew up there, started fishing at a young age, uh, both you know, fresh and saltwater, uh, got into tournament fishing probably around 19, 18, 19 years old, and uh, tournament fishing out, out of a bass boat, and uh, did a little bit of guiding, eventually moved out to where I'm at now, which is Nashville, Tennessee, uh, and just got into kayak fishing about three or four years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, just fell in love with it. Um, just the, the community of people is great, and uh, just being able to, you know, a lot of advantages, being able to get into to places you can't normally get in with a with a bass boat, and uh, you know, cost of uh, expenses and all that. So it's it's been great getting into the kayak fishing scene, and uh, yeah, met a lot of great friends too. So awesome. Now. What was it that made you make the switch from the boat to the kayak? Um, mostly just the you know, just the cost of having a boat. It was I was having to work so hard just to uh, just to maintain those expenses of the insurance, the gas, the registration, and uh, the biggest thing just the the cost of repairs and stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, just added stress of having to, to tow it and and all that. And uh, you know, I, I when I moved out to Tennessee, I was actually doing a lot of uh, a lot of trips in my kick boats uh, on a lot of these rivers and stuff around here, Tennessee, especially middle Tennessee has a lot of great, you know, rivers for smallmouth. And, uh, I take these kick boats out and was, didn't really, you know, I first moved out here, didn't really know a lot of people eventually, uh, started, you know, I found these Facebook groups for kayak fishermen. A lot of them were fishing these same rivers that I was, I was kind of trying to meet friends through there and eventually saw, you know, some posts about these kayak tournaments and stuff. Uh, stuff like that as well on these Facebook pages. So uh, one thing led to another. Jumped into the uh, few tournaments just to kind of get back into it. At that point, I hadn't probably fished tournaments for about five years or so. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fun getting back into competing. And, and like I said the the biggest thing was just uh, you know becoming a part of this great community of people. Now, do you ever come down to Duck River and fish? Duck River, yeah, I've been out there quite a few times. Good oh spot. man, you, you you get you got to take me out there sometime. You know, <laughs> where where are you living? Are you, you down like Columbia area or, or? Uh, Chapel Hill? Chapel Hill. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Ducker is great, especially in the winter. We're coming up on the good time to go out there. I don't do as well there in yeah. the summertime, but come winter times, you got you know you don't get a lot of fish, but a good chance of getting one of those you know four pound plus smallmouth out of there. Wow. Yeah. I've, it, it's crazy. I've lived here for, you know, 10 years or more, like in this area, and never really fished it. You know, maybe go go fish from the bank or something for a little bit, but I've never really fished it, and I didn't realize how great it was for smallmouth. I didn't realize how great smallmouth were, because I just really started fishing for them, like, this year. And it was this year I started fishing there. It was because I we had uh, Josh Stewart on here last year, and he was t- telling me about it. Yeah, he goes. I've been out so, there. With him. I think I've been out. Yeah, I've been out there with him at least once on the duck one time. But uh, yeah, me and him fish a lot of the same same little stretches. The great thing about the ducks is there is a lot of access points, and you can even go online and and type in Duck River access areas, and it'll give a whole list of of all the access points so you can find a float. And you know, some stretches are better than others. Uh, 
It's a pretty good sized river. Some of the little tributaries coming in can be really good too. Yeah, but see, I, I I think. I think my biggest issue with Duck River is I don't have anybody to float with. So I, I need a float partner, Russ. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, once these tournaments come to an end, that's what I mean. I'll be spending a lot of time getting out there on the rivers. And um, yeah, it's, that's what I really love doing come, come wintertime. And when I first got out here, I used to actually, I'd, I'd bring just this beat up old bike and I'd actually go to the takeout where I'm going to take out at and I'd lock my bike up to like a telephone pole or a tree or something like that. And then when I I float with my kickboat, you know, do about a five to eight mile float, uh, and then you know I'd lock up my kickboat that same bike lock and ditch my my rods and stuff in the bushes so nobody took them and put the rest of the stuff in my backpack and then I'd bike back to my truck, and uh, yeah, get some exercise while you're at it too. A couple times I get chased by dogs though. That's never fun. <laughs> um, I, I might actually know where you were getting chased at because there's. On the where I've been putting in at, every time you go, there's these two dogs that just sit right there beside the road. Waiting. And they'll, they'll scare the crap out of you because you, you won't really see them or they'll just be laying there like they're just chilling. And then all of a sudden, they're just coming at you and yeah. you get them or something. Oh, it's happened quite a few times. <laughs> but yeah, a couple, one time on the Buffalo and one time on the Collins River. Yeah, one time I couldn't even get up this hill because I was going up a hill and there's a whole pack of them came out at me and they were, I had to use my bike like as a shield. <laughs> Eventually a truck was was coming up the hill. I flagged them down. I'm like, hey, there's a bunch of dogs. I'm trying to ride my bike back to my truck. There's a bunch of dogs here. So he, he let me get in and he was a fisherman actually. So I gave him a couple of hand-tied jigs as a as a thank you for, for doing that. But <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, man been wanting to get you on here and one of the things that i really like to learn from you is how to break down water because it seems like everywhere you go you can put you on any body of water in the country it seems like and you're going to come out in the top of the pack somewhere so you're obviously doing something right with figuring out where the fish are where the bigger fish are so we we need to learn that i'm not even sure what do we i, I guess you start with like map study or yeah definitely where, i'll start, start with, with maps uh go on to i'll check all the satellite images that i can whether it's uh you know google earth google maps and like uh, apple maps i think are like the three main ones and the thing is it's also with with google earth uh, you have to do it on the computer, though. You can't do that on your phone. But if you go on a computer and use Google Earth, uh, you can go into the archived data, like all the, you know, from the different years. Uh, you know, so you can find a year if you're trying to look for, you know, the water when it's when it's at a lower level, so you can see the exposed, you know, rocks or or what, you know, whatever the exposed shoreline is. Sometimes I'm looking for images like that. Uh, other times, you know, I'm trying to find images that are you know right in the middle of summer where i can see where like the thickest like where the vegetation grows at uh, a lot of times so going into that archive data uh, on the google earth like i said i wish you could do it on your phone but you, you can't maybe one of these days you can but if you go on your computer uh you can do that that's a big part of it and another thing that i do is uh, you know i'll take my my hummingbird uh 
Helix uh, Helix Seven. I have it in a pod, you know, so I'll I'll take the whole pod out and put it by the computer. And if I see if I go on Google Earth and see like offshore rock piles or a little ledge or something like that, I'll actually go on to my uh, to my fish finder, my GPS there, and and mark a bunch of waypoints. Some are like specific ones. Some are more just like a general waypoint to just point out the area or a launch or you know. So I'll transfer those waypoints on onto the uh, to the fish finder, so I don't have to like you know. So I have some fresh stuff. Just as I'm out there, I can say, okay, here's one, here's one. Just kind of checking those things off the box. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, so I'm going to say, yeah, another thing also is on uh, Google Maps, not Google Earth, but Google Maps, you can actually leave waypoints. So I'll go into my Google Maps and I'll mark all the boat ramps. Uh, you know, you put little flags on everything with the boat ramps and then same thing, kind of generalized uh, areas or points of interest. I'll, I'll point that out as well. Uh, it's most of the, you know, kind of pre-tournament besides that, and you know, watching uh, some YouTube videos or, you know, trying to find out previous tournament results or whether you're going, you know, especially the FLW tournament archives, they'll have like the top 10, you know, top 10 guys, what they use, what lures they use and, you know, just a lot of that stuff. And, uh, and then, you know, when you go into the tackle shops and stuff like that, just listen to what some of the locals are saying. Sometimes that can be good info. Sometimes it can be not so good. But, uh, you know, I listen to it all and, and kind of, uh, you know, take some of it with a grain of salt, but other, other things, you know, you can put in the back of your mind and it can be useful to, to help when it comes to info from, oops, cancel, it keeps popping up, keep getting a window popping up. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, I guess that's, that's how I go into it. And then, you know, the first day I'm out there, I typically want to fish an area where I have, where I can hit a bunch of different types of cover, whether it's, you know, fishing grass and rock and just as many things as possible. And then once I kind of get an idea, it's like, all right, well, they're not really hitting on docks or they're not on the rock, but they are like an offshore grass or something like that. Then once I, you know, then I'll kind of going into it the next day, you know, I'll kind of either look to duplicate it or, or find, you know, similar areas. Um, just kind of just as I go, it all depends on the scenario as far as, you know, which day do I go to, to which places. Sometimes I'll find, find an area that has a concentration of fish. And I, if I feel like it's a tournament winning area, I'll stop fishing other areas and just keep expanding on that area. And then even if I know certain things are working, you know, I'll stop using those things and, and try to find different ways of catching them in there and just try to have as many different ways of catching fish in one general area. Now, whenever you say an area, I, I, I feel like that's kind of be dependent on the person what an area means. Are you talking about like a 20 foot spot? Or are you talking no, about I'm a quarter mile about, or a mile? Or? Yeah, something where I can run you know, where I can run and gun during a kayak tournament. I don't, you know, if I have to run from one area, if I got to go a mile to like the next spot, like sometimes I'll do that, but you know, it's even better if, if you can, you know, have a big cove where it's maybe half a mile long, there's four different things you can do in that half mile stretch. Uh, that's more ideal, but not to say that I haven't, you know, there's been plenty of times where I've 
you know, do one thing in one place and then go two miles or something like that, waste half hour, you know, getting there and then switch it up to something different, you know. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, you don't, you want to be as efficient as possible. And, you know, by doing that, you want to make as many casts as possible and spend the least amount of time, you know, paddling uh, and, and traveling from one place to another. But sometimes, you know, it's inevitable that you're going to have to spend some time doing that. But What do you generally navigate on the water with, both your phone and the, the maps on your uh, fish finder? Or do you pretty Usually much... just maps on the fish finder, uh, unless it's like satellite image where I need to see, uh, you know, some satellite imagery. Then I'll have to get out my phone. I know some of the new... Um, the new Lake Master, like version three, I had the version two, but I think the version three on the Lake Masters, you can have satellite imagery on it too, which, uh, which would be nice. Definitely. But it makes sense uh, if you're, if you know, you can find a spot that has, you know, those four different things, you know, uh, all in one, it'll cut down on your travel time. So that's definitely a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes some of those things, you know, I'll find an area and I'll be catching a fish, you know, catching fish on, on a frog in the grass or something like that. But I'll, I'll look for like the deeper ledges or, or areas for them to push out to or something like that. I might not even catch any fish there, but, you know, I guess it's just time on the water. But, what, you know, you, you kind of know, okay, these fish are shallow. Like look for those areas they're going to push out to and find different ways of fishing. Uh, and even if you're not catching them then, you know, there's been plenty of times that the tournament, you know, the conditions change. And sure enough, oh, you know, yeah. all, all of a sudden I start catching them that way. Um, Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com I think I, I find it hard to leave fish once I find them, but I obviously you want to find as many spots as you can. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it, too, is just timing with, with a lot of lakes. Is The fish will even be there, and it's just finding that that you know one one hour two hour window where they actually start turning on so you know while you're pre-fishing i always pay attention to to what time of the day i caught that fish on that spot and pay attention to the to the shadows you know and whether it's low light condition or bright sun or all that stuff do you uh, take so, into uh, account any of that feeding time or anything like that or the feeding time with the yeah. uh, the salooner is that what oh, it was? The, no, I've never done that. Um, okay. I know some people are really big, big believers. I've never really gotten into it and find the, the lunar tables and uh, and yeah, the key windows and I just more you know, I think you go by time of day, yeah, temperature and okay. wind and stuff like that. Play, and like play, in my mind, play a, a bigger part. Not to say that I don't pay attention to like the moon like if there's a full moon especially this time of year or like late late summer fall uh like august september october if there's a full moon this time of year and it's really hot out during the day and it's you know if it's calm and clear at night uh you know those fish will, will be much tougher to catch 
you know, during the day. They will feed at night when you get nights like that. Uh, so stuff like that I pay attention to, you know, mostly just if, during the full moon if it's clear and if it's hot out. If it's, you know, overcast a bunch or if it's kind of windy and cool, it seems to not make as much difference. But on those hot, calm days, you know, late in the summer and early into the fall, yeah, they get they get tough to catch during the day if there's a full moon at night. That's interesting. <clears throat> so, with with fall being right here on top of us, like what what do you where do you from what you've noticed? What have you what the ah can't get it out? Um, what are the patterns that you've seen like where fish you can generally find fish uh what lures are they usually biting on like from your experience the fall i mean the fall is one time of year where where they literally can be doing anything i mean they're eventually you know you can get a main main body or backs of creek you know generally as the temperature drops the bait fish are going to start migrating to the backs of the creeks and the bass are going to follow and uh but that's not to say there's there's not going to be fish still out in the main body uh as well you know it's uh it's falls just a time of year where you can really, it's just no sand whether they're going to be, you can be deep, they could be shallow, they can, you know, most of the time they're feeding on, on bait fish. I'd say that's a time of year where, where shad, you know, shad patterns probably dominate the most, but not to say, you know, you could still get them on a, on a jig or on a, you know, bluegill, uh, some sort of bluegill imitating swim bait or something like swim, you know, swim jig, something like that too. So, um, you know, but, but, as a general rule, you know, they're going to, as the water temperature drops, they're going to start moving to the backs of the creeks. Top water's always a good bet. Uh, you know, fishing around grass is always good. Grass this time of year is starting to die off in a lot of areas more and more. So a lot of it's just, you know, finding that, that healthy grass um, or, you know, the right type of grass. Uh, I'm going to be heading to, to Gunnersville here to, this week and uh, fishing the national championship. Um, for the KBF National Championship is, is next week. That's going to be a big, big grass lake. And uh, it's going to be getting a lot, a lot of pressure, it sounds like, too. Um, but, uh, you know, the nice thing about fishing, fishing lakes in the fall, you know, when there's a lot of grass, is, is, you know, there's a lot of places for them to hide. And, uh, and there's a lot of different ways of, of fishing grass, whether it's, you know, chatterbait or lipless or topwater over the top of it, you know, frogs. Obviously, are really good right now. You can punch it. Um, so yeah, it depends on you know what lake you're at as far as what works best in in the fall. But um, generally, you're you're going to be wanting to to find the the bait, you know, the concentrations of bait, and, and find a pattern as far as where they're where that bait's moving. Uh, and it's just a matter of you know figuring out how to catch them, whether it's you know some sort of sh you know could be anything really <laughs> but when you uh follow the fall transition around like you've obviously fished some different parts of the country obviously you fished probably california in the fall and then south in the fall i don't know how much up my way you get um but is it different for those different areas or would you say it's all relatively similar uh you know the one thing about at least this part of the country in the southeast is i don't know if there's another place that I've ever seen anywhere in the country where the bass will get as shallow as they do here. Uh, you'll get into areas 
where where you're in the backs of these creeks and there are, there are these flats that just run out you know for hundreds of yards and it's only a foot or two deep and uh you know when i'm out out west in california a lot of other places in the country they won't get in the area i mean they'll get shallow but there has to be that deep water access close by and you know and they'll push up on a little shallow flat but you know, this part of the country in the south here, they really can get back in some super shallow stuff, even if there isn't any deep water access at all. Um, you know, inches of water, areas where, where you know, in those type of areas, bass boats have a hard time fishing too when it's that shallow. I was just um, going to say, it sounds like kayak heaven. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what I spend a lot of time doing is finding, you know, areas that, that aren't going to get beat up by the bass boats near as much. And, a lot of kayakers have a lot of success doing that. Good majority of these tournaments, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, I guess some of the other differences. I got to play some. Okay. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna try to elaborate on on uh, some other differences, I guess. But uh, that's probably the biggest. Thing. I kind of lost my train of thought. You go ahead and ask. Uh, ask the next one. I was just gonna say, like, I, I had like a that gave me an awesome place in mind to uh, where probably be pretty hot right about now with fall coming on, you know, that back creek area. Uh, but I can't go fish it because I got tournaments and they're uh, not there. <laughs> yeah, kind of look after this one tournament. I'll be uh, yeah, I'll have about a month off before the Hobie TOC there at uh, in Knoxville. So I'm finally gonna get to do some just some fun fishing and go hit some of these these rivers and stuff. It's a good time of year. Probably go out to the Buffalo River. It's it's probably the best time of year to to be out there. I think. Awesome. Well, hey, if you're gonna be off um, in uh, you know October 16th through the 18th, we're having the paddle and fin meetup. Right. I was thinking about doing a jail. Oh, for real? Yeah, he told me about it. I was thinking, yeah. So I'm not 100%. I told my buddy Adam about it too. And, and we were both like, all right, it sounds like fun. We love fishing out there. Uh, so yeah, me uh, and Adam might, might join you guys for that. By Adam, are you talking about Adam Riser? Yep. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> awesome if y'all made it out there. Hopefully. I'm like, yeah, no problem. We, I asked him, he said, yeah, I don't got nothing going on. I don't have anything either. And I said, it sounded like a good time. So yeah, I actually. Uh... I met him briefly. Uh, we, you, you know, KBFTN, uh, yeah. the four four events out there. We were in a four 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 championship together. Cool. And I, I met him briefly, but you know, we didn't get to talk a whole lot or anything. He's like, he's my travel one of my travel partners, probably the main travel partner, I'd say, for for a lot of these tournaments. And uh, yeah, getting to know him's been great, man. He's a solid guy, and it's, it's part of KBFTN, just. You know, the same club I, I kind of it got me into kayak fishing um but yeah yeah you uh, were uh good sorry you, you you were lagging a little bit on me so i started talking over you i didn't mean to <laughs> i was gonna, i was gonna say like you were like angler of the year for like three years in a row weren't you with kbftn first three years yeah fishing. not this year though uh nick nick hood got it got yeah it this year yeah you you didn't do many events with them this year, did you? I think I only did I four. I four, I want to say. Yeah. 
So I need to do one more for that. But I had to kind of, I had one good finish and a couple. There's, it's a tough group. I got, it's pretty, uh, you know, pretty lucky for me to this, this first few years there to, to have some of the finishes I did and things definitely. Well, I don't know how much of it was luck, but uh, there's something I'm telling you. <laughs> I didn't I, I, like I, I lost I, one. It's just I mean, the last few years it's been crazy, but yeah, I didn't lose any fish that would have hurt me in the tournament or you know or any of that. And some of them I just barely won, so it's it's always a little yeah. bit of luck involved. I will say that there are a lot of good fishermen in that group. Like yeah, Josh Stewart, <laughs> Craig Dye was in it a couple years. Uh, Michael Ernst, a lot of you know, Josh Sharp. He's another younger guy. He's he's been tearing it up lately. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of them. A lot of people that could probably, you know, move to the national level stuff that don't really chase it like you do. But it's a bit of a commitment for sure. Just the time on the road and yeah. time. You know, it's it's not easy to. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of work, I guess. But it's. It's fun when it when it all works out. Yeah, I'm actually uh, I've been trying to do the uh, CKT Cumberland Kayak Trail. I've yeah. been trying to do some events with them. Josh, we actually had one uh, yesterday. Josh was out there on that one. Josh Stewart. Uh, Stewart, Stewart. Won. Stewart. He won yesterday. No, he, he was, was the out st- there. No, he uh, didn't okay. win. <laughs> he was on the Stones River, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounded like that would be a cool one. I've never done, like, an actual, like, small, you know, creek or river uh, kayak tournament yet. I was, was kind of wanting to do that. Something going on already. But well, what? It says they got a good turnout, too. It's decent. Yeah. 25 or so. It was 26 people. But uh, it, it was kind of cool. First place, second place, fourth place, and big fish all came from the same boat ramp. Really? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And was, it up, there, was it up in the skinny water with like the rapids, or was it more down towards nope. the, where it entered into the lake? Nope. It, it was uh, in the deeper, a little bit deeper part, like gotcha. twenty foot sections and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's fun up there. It's a good time of year to, to fish up there too. Uh, Percy Priest. Uh, Percy Priest has been a fun lake. It's it's. Uh, I think this year this year was a little bit tougher. Last couple years, you know, had two or three years there it was doing really well. I feel like this year kind of, uh, you know, I didn't go out there a bunch. What I saw from the tournament results looks like it was a little little bit of a decline. I think it got hit a lot yeah. harder too because of mm-hmm. that's pr- that's probably why it got hammered with all the boats out there this year. Yeah, with the whole COVID thing, man, you go out there and every single spot at the boat ramp was taken up. You had to park in the grass or whatever. You know, like it, everybody was out there fishing. That's what I heard. But yeah, they, there was some pretty tough events, just like the, uh, the, uh, F what was or MLF style tournament. They had, you know, every, every fish over 12 inches counts and winter only had like five or six fish. Really? <laughs> it's crazy. It can be good, man. I've been out there and just, yeah. try, you know, like I said, last couple of years before that, some great days. I only had a handful. Been traveling around so much, I didn't get to get out there as much. But yeah, like I said, I heard it's been kind of tough year. But hopefully next year it'll, it'll get better there. Uh, yeah, but but you don't need to fish them though because <laughs> I, I don't I don't need any extra pressure <laughs> unless you I'll, let me come with you. You know, let me tag along. 
we'll do we'll do a river trip. I get some time. I say I'll probably be up there at Dale Hollow, but um, yeah, maybe out the duck or so. Uh, it's Chapel Hill. I don't know. I've been through Chapel Hill. Is that upriver of Columbia or downriver? Upriver. Upper. Okay. So uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know where Henry Horton State Park is? Yeah. It's right there. Gotcha. Right. I've done the stretch right above Henry Horton State Park where I like take out there. There's another little like family-owned campground or something you could you could pay to go in there and uh, yeah, yeah, it was a fun little flip. Rats. No, it was just like a small. It was just there was just like a sign that said like drive to the house to pay you know pay pay like oh. a few dollars to get access. And there's like some old lady that you like walk into this old lady's house and like pay her like five bucks to to be able to go through the gate. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I hope I didn't give anybody's spot know. away. But it was, I don't know. I caught a few. Fish. It wasn't nothing crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I know what you're talking about, but I don't think they do that anymore. Really? Or if they do. That was it's about five years ago when I, <laughs> when I went. So, um, but yeah, I'll have to get out there. Like I said, they're coming up on, I like the Buffalo River this time of year. And then once it gets into winter, uh, that Duck River gets really good. So I'm looking forward. I don't, I've probably only done like a couple of river, you know, as far as local river trips this year, I've probably only done a couple. That used to be, there was a few years there. That's about all I did. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely have to get out there, man. But, uh, yeah, just just to make you commit, guys, Russ Snyder's gonna be at Dale Hollow, so you <laughs> make sure you come. Put the pressure on. He me. is gonna be there. <laughs> I should, I should. We see. Uh, I don't no, know what would someone have to come up, but I got it. I got it planned. But something something comes up unexpectedly, I guess. But I'm gonna try to make it. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm trying to think if like I feel like there's so many more questions that could be asked about breaking down water, but they're like blanking me right now. So how much uh, how much do you rely on your electronics to find fish once you're out there, or do you just go to the spots where you found and and start experimenting around, or do you actually actively search out fish on your fish finder? Uh, yeah, no, it depends. Um... There's times when I, when I really, I mean, especially when I'm fishing deep water, you know, that's all I'm looking at is my fish finder and um, I'm trying to pinpoint specific fish or dropping down, you know, on fish, you know, the drop shot or uh, then, you know, I'm pretty much glued to the thing. And there's, there's other times where let's say I'm, you know, fishing grass, you know, Lake Gunnersville fishing big grass flats where you're not necessarily going to see the fish in the grass. But, you know, a lot of times I'm still using that fish finder, whether it's like I'm trying to find outside edges of grass I'll use the side imaging a lot and just look out to the side and that way I know okay I'm staying out about you know 20 feet from that outer edge of that hard grass line and I can, if I'm you know concentrating on the edge then I can continuously kind of you know use that to see where that edge is if I can't see it visually uh, so yeah or you know just using side imaging also for for isolated pieces of of cover, whether it's rock pile or hard, hard bottom areas or, or wood, um, or, you know, I use my down imaging a lot if I'm fishing brush piles, trying to see fish in brush piles. Uh, so, you know, under, and I'm not, there's a lot of other kayak angles, a lot better than electronic settings. I 
still got a lot to learn. I don't, you know, I'm more of a, a shallow water guy than which, you know, I still use my electronics, but I'm not like a deep water specialist or something like that who really has those electronics dialed in. I, I definitely have a, have a lot to learn. And even since kayak fishing, I feel like I spend so much more time now fishing shallow when, when I was in a bass boat and you know, it's about half and half. I, I do a lot of deeper water fishing. Maybe, maybe not half, maybe a third. Probably, I always like fishing shallow, but probably spent a third of the time fishing deeper water. And now it's, it's like maybe 20% of the time, like 80% of the time I'm, I'm fishing really shallow water stuff or I'm not, you know, trying to look for individual fish. What do you consider shallow generally? Uh, like eight to 10 feet or less. Okay. Okay. So I have, there's lakes around me where it, that's as deep as it gets, but then there's also the lakes, lakes that get, you know, crazy deep. So yeah. Yeah. I'd say, yeah. Eight feet, eight feet or less. I'd say. Okay. I think, yeah. What's your favorite technique to throw? Favorite technique? Uh, probably a swim jig or flipping. Uh, I'd say now. I mean, I love fishing top water as far as just pure excitement of seeing fish, you know, coming out of the water and grabbing the frog or a buzzbait or, or a spook or something like that. Um, yeah, I really like doing that, but I'd say uh, swim jig or, or flipping, something where you can really make a lot of, a lot of casts, you know, a lot of short casts where you're just trying to hit little targets and stuff. I'd say I really en enjoy doing that and have a good idea of how to kind of visually break down pieces of structure and, and you know understand where the ambush points are going to be or where that cache should get, be made or what angle I need to to you know retrieve my lure on a whether it's a piece of wood or a dock or a grass line or anything like that I feel like what my what my strength is uh, as far as fishing style now I've got a theory so my theory really means nothing. So, um, but, but tell me if I'm on to something or if I'm completely wrong here. I, my theory is top water, top water fishing is more of a fun fishing technique. I don't, I don't, I feel like it's not as effective for tournament fishing. Yeah, I, 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 am I, am I wrong here? No, I, I think I, it's a way of getting I, big fish. I, I'd say it's definitely a way of of tournament fishing. And if you you know you're if you're gonna catch five fish on top water, they're gonna be a lot big bigger than the you know if you were to catch only five fish on a shaky head or something like that. Average size, you know, top water gonna produce usually larger than average sized fish. Uh, so I fish a lot. I fish a lot of buzz baits and uh, a lot of frogs, some some spooks and and poppers. Lately, it feels like I haven't been. Yeah, I've been throwing. I throw a little gunfish for like schooling fish this time of year. That's a big thing. Is finding those fish that are schooling and busting those little shad, and they could be really tough to catch, especially when they they key in on that really smaller bait. Um, but firing a little top water through that especially a gunfish is probably one of my favorites for that um but yeah no i, I definitely think top water is a way of, of you know good strategy when it comes to tournament fishing especially this time of year hold on you give me one second hold on one second yeah 
I'm back. No worries. But, yeah, I guess my theory is debunked. I, I just, <laughs> I, I just feel like I don't know. I, I guess it's just my personal uh, experience. I had, I personally haven't caught a lot of numbers or or like big fish on top water that I, I kind of felt like that at least for me. That uh, top water hasn't been as effective as you know fishing somewhere else in the water column, and uh, I don't. To to me, it, I I guess I kind of feel like if you fish down in the water but still kind of high in the water column, you're gonna catch fish that are lower and still get the attention of those fish that might hit top water. I think I with the top water is it's. It, triggers triggers something in a fish to think that it's it's trapped because they can't go you know it's like they're against a wall more or less where if it's in the middle of the water column and they go to chase it they can go left right they can go a lot more directions where when something's right on the surface uh a lot of times that that's what triggers that fish to bite or if that same lure was like a foot or two under the water uh they, they wouldn't mess with it and it's all just you know depends on on you know what what they're feeding on and what they're what they're liking for that day. Sometimes using a jerk bait or something right under the water is the way to go. But uh, I know you know having that that wall above them, which is which is the air, I guess you know the surface of the water, and not being able to uh, to travel that way. You know definitely it's it's a way to where they feel trapped and triggers something in the fish. It's like the same thing when you know if there's a, a lot of times fish will use sea walls. Uh, to, to feed on as well, where they're pushing bait up against that seawall because it's just, um, you know, there can be, you can be fishing, you know, you can be fishing a seawall and you're making your cast like two or three or four feet out from that seawall and you won't get a single bite. And it has to be like six inches, you have to get parallel and have it six inches from that seawall. And that's what triggers, having it close like that is what triggers those fish uh, to eat it because they feel that it's just something in them say, Oh, it's pinned. It can't go anywhere. I got it. Um, so what, uh, what generally, um, influences your decision, whether to throw like, uh, a buzz bait where you're going to do a longer retrieve versus, or, or, a, or a, I guess maybe a quicker retrieve versus a, a spook or a popper where you're going to be slowing it down. I just kind of mix it up and let the fit, you know, I feel like they're eating top water. It's the time of year I should be throwing top water. You know, obviously it depends on the cover I'm fishing. If I'm fishing a lot of grass, uh, I'm going to be fishing a buzzbait or a frog. Uh, if I'm, you know, fishing fishing around laydowns or something like that, you know, still maybe a buzzbait if the laydowns are thick. If it's a little more open, maybe I'll try a little popper or, or a spook, something like that, and really just letting the fish tell you what they want. You know, sometimes. Maybe I'm using a spook and I'm walking it kind of slow and I'm letting it pause a long time, not getting anything. Then all of a sudden I start reeling back and then something comes to to hit it just like that. It's going to tell me, okay, I, I need to fish something that's moving faster. That's going to get them to react to it. And uh, maybe I'll fish a buzzbait. And then same thing, you know, maybe I'll, I'll be fishing 
fishing a butt or a whopper plopper or something like that and I'm reeling it along and reeling along and all of a sudden I just stop it and I'm you know itching my back or whatever and I get distracted and all of a sudden 10 seconds later it blows up on it you know then I might switch to something more like a popper or something where long pauses maybe are going to be better so but it makes sense and it changes throughout the day too you know sometimes in the morning they want it really slow and then as it heats up you know they want it fast and it's just all just kind of listen to the fish and seeing what the signs are telling you to do See that that made me just kind of think, you know, yesterday in that tournament, I caught two of my fish kind of out in the middle when I noticed some busting on shad. But after that too, I still saw them busting, but I couldn't get any bites. It made me think if I had like a shad pattern popper or something where I could, you know, just kind of ease it through there. I, I wonder if I would have got some bites off that. Try gunfish. But usually when they're schooling like that, I want something that's, that's going to move fast, but it's going to move kind of erratic too. That's why a lot of times like a fluke is something that's really good. But gunfish, a lucky lucky craft gunfish, it's almost like a it's like a narrower kind of spook with a little bit of a cupped face, and you can really get it you know walking at a fast speed. Where a spook, it's kind of going like that. With a gunfish, you could do really tight. Yeah, there you go. That's a good, that's like okay. my favorite bait for when they're busting. And I'll, I'll reel it back, or even like those pencil poppers. We were just down at Lake Lanier, uh, and they were busting, busting fish, uh, busting bait, and those, those herring, you know, on the surface. And a lot of things wouldn't, wouldn't catch them. And, and what was working was either two things, either a seabill swimmer, and you just had, you'd cast it out there and just burn it back as fast as you could. You'd see them busting, and you had to just, burn it through them either that or like a pencil popper and same thing you're not like you're walking it a couple times and just reeling it and then walking it a couple times and reeling it the walking it you know kind of gets them interested they start looking at looking at it but if you keep doing that they're just going to go away but once it starts reeling and getting away from them that's when they that's that's what triggers them um so a lot of times busting fit i mean sometimes it's, it's not the case but you know most times if they're busting bait, you you want to get a reaction out of them, fish fish, you know, a little bit faster. Same thing. I use like a little white swim jig too. That's another good technique. A little quarter ounce with a, a little dipper, just like a little three or four inch paddle tail, and just burning it and pop 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 burn pop pop pop, really fast. Um, it's usually what I do for for busting fish in the fall. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I might have to actually give Topwater a try in the tournament scene. <laughs> I would recommend I, it. <laughs> I, I tell you what, last year the Whopper Plopper was my thing, and this year I haven't caught a single fish on Topwater just because I've been so hooked on other things. And uh, it, it would be nice to get at least one Topwater fish before the end of the year. It's time of year. It's the best time of year for Topwater, probably, I'd say. But, when do you stop throwing top water? I've caught them all the way into December. If you get like warm days in the winter time, you'll they'll still hit a top water certain situations. But as a general rule, like I don't know, like mid fifty. If it gets below like fifty five, depending on what it is, too spotted like spotted bass and smallmouth, probably more like fifty five. Largemouth, maybe like sixty. You know. Like it's below sixty. Are you talking water temp or water temp? Oh, water temp. 
Yeah. But I've had them, like I said, I've had them, I've had warm days where it's probably, you know, I've caught largemouth when the water's 50 degrees and it's just like one of those kind of warm 70 degree winter days and the sun's out and they're, you know, just kind of hanging out underneath a a piece of wood and you're just walking a spook really slow. Uh, They'll come up and get it still, but it has to be the right kind of days. Yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering for... You know, next weekend I got a tournament here local, and we're supposed to have that cold front come in this week. So I wasn't sure how when that cutoff was for top water, or how effective it would be. It's still going to work front. through the end. Of, I mean, a cold right during a cold front. Uh, it's hard to tell this time of year. They're busting. You know, that cold front could trigger them. They they want that water temp to start dropping. You know, for them to start moving back in those creeks. I'd imagine it's got to be still close to seven like probably 70 or something right now so it's got a oh, ways man. to cool off Stop. yesterday on stones river unless my uh unless my fish final That's was rain, yeah. wrong you got rainfall the, up the creeks back there main lake would be different okay. it was colder probably right yeah it was like 67 okay yeah, if you get, I mean, as you go up the creeks, even in the summertime, you know, you could find like 68, 69, 70 degree water, even when it's 100 degrees outside, if you get like those spring-fed creeks and stuff. So they always, you know, but the main lake, yeah, I guess it was probably low 70s, but should be good. You know, once it gets to about 60, that's when they really start, that's this cold front pushing through, could, uh, might shock them at first. It's, it's hard to guess, but I, I think it might be a little tough at first but then once it kind of stabilizes and that water temp stays in those like low 60s um should make you know that's usually what you want in the fall it's usually when that fall feed you know feed starts happening well i hope nobody that plans on fishing that tournament saturday listens to this episode (laughs) (laughs) what lake is it what lake is it at williamsport oh cool i didn't know that tournament's there I uh, this I, is actually like the first, I believe. You know, Adam Riser, he just invited me to go there today. He just went there. You should hit him up, maybe. I think it's Williamsport. It's one of those state state lakes. Yeah, they got big ones in there, though. Oh yeah, they got Tennessee or they got Florida strain bass in there. So, yeah, you know, I've I've seen some. 10 pounds that get pulled out of there. You know, they'll, Williamsport, uh, they'll post the pictures of big fish whenever they see them. Wow. Is it TWRA uh, that manages the, that? Yeah. Lady? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's pretty cool area. It's basically, you know, several, for people that don't know, it's several large ponds uh, and, uh, yeah, that's basically what it, it. You know, it. You don't have to worry about like winter pool in the winter. You know, it stays the same level. Uh, that's yeah. that's one thing I really like about it. You know, winter time you can still go there and fish, and you know, don't have to worry because I have no idea how to fish with winter pool. <laughs> yeah, it, it it really messes me up. It gets tough whenever that water's dropping. Those fish start pushing off the banks a lot of times. Start suspending. You know, on, they, on those lakes where they draw them down, it, it can be tough. Um, yeah, I don't know about Williamsport should be pretty steady. It's probably a good time of year to be out there. There's 10 pounders somewhere around there. 
Yeah, I'm I'm thinking that it's going to be a good tournament. I, I think there's going to be a lot of numbers in this tournament, and hopefully, you know, I'm one of them with a lot of numbers. <laughs> yeah, but that's the hope. Yeah, that's some big baits. Go swing for the fence. <laughs> yeah. All right, I, I'm not going to press my luck. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Sean, did you have? Anything else you want to ask? I mean, we got one of the best kayak fishermen in the country. I know, right? I, I feel right like now. I'm. What? <laughs> we we gotta ask what we gotta what we want to ask while we have him on here. Oh, uh, I'm I'm just drawing a blank right now, but uh, I'm trying to think of what I what else I would ask. What, what what are you fishing out of? I wanted to ask you that earlier. I forgot. I'm fishing out of a uh, wilderness systems attack. 120. It's been my boat for the last. Since I got into it, that's my first kayak I got. Nice. I also have a uh, a native Titan 12. Though I am gonna be uh, probably getting another kayak here in the, in the near future. So no. Can't give it. It'll be uh, yeah, it'll be in the next month or two. So. Cool. That did that did make me think about something, something that I that kind of blew my mind is you were out here like killing it while still paddling for the longest time, right? Uh oh, we mm-hmm. lost for us. Let's see if we can get him back here. Oh, there he is. Oh. Was back. I can barely hear you. Oh, I can't can't hear you. Oh, you hear me? There we go. Now we yeah, can hear you. You moved your hand, and we could hear you. Oh, okay. I might have been messing with the cable or something. I don't know. Um, but but yeah, it it if I remember right, you were out here like killing it while still paddling you know no motor no pedals you were pat- paddling yeah out here the last these uh, the last hobie tournament i fished over in lake dartnell in arkansas i was i was paddling in that one and a lot of people ask you know i want to talk about you know whether you know the, the motor should be allowed or pedaling should be allowed or if it should just be paddling you know i really believe that you know whether you're paddling pedaling or have an electric motor you know there's an area to you just got to fish whatever you're using you just got to use it to your to your strength and um, I think especially going a lot of like skinny backwaters or areas where there's a lot of grass and there's a lot of areas where paddling is the best option you know Um, so for people that are intimidated by getting into sport thinking how am I going to fish against you know somebody with a Hobie with a Torquedo and $8,000 kayak you don't need, you know, in, in certain situations it does help, but there's plenty of times where where you can be in a, a smaller kayak and, and be in it, you know, you can be in a $500 kayak and be in a, a bigger advantage fishing an area than somebody with an $8,000 kayak. So um, it can limit you, but, you know, I really think most tournaments, a good majority of tournaments anyways, are, are one, fishing those areas that are totally accessible with a paddle kayak. I know I, awesome. I 
I have an outback and in the river, especially this year with it being so low and so grassy, I have been paddling that more than I have been pedaling in the river anyway. So yeah, yeah. I definitely see what you're saying there. It's definitely, there's a time and place. It, the Hobie does awesome when I'm covering water, if I can, if it's deep enough, but um, it definitely doesn't go through grass as good as I can just paddle right over top of it. And yep. so definitely. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that's that's awesome because you know there are a lot of people that listen to this segment that you know are newer to fishing and pre- are newer to kayak fishing I should say, and you know pretty much everybody starts out paddling. There's not a whole lot of people that you know to about fork out the uh, money for a pedal drive or anything. So so I, I feel like that's cool for them to hear on here is. You, you can still get out there and do well. Yeah. yeah. Firm believer in that. Um, yeah, not to say that it is, you know, there's times being offshore, there there are times where you know, having those other kayaks could be an advantage, but doesn't mean, you know, yeah. And if, yeah, so, you know, having options is nice. And going forward, I'll probably, that's why I had the, the Titan before, you know, the Titan and the Attack and, uh, it's it's nice to have a boat to fish the that deep water stuff offshore stuff when the wind is blowing and as a tournament fisherman who's trying to fish at the highest, highest level here um, uh, yeah it's nice to have have options there but I said most tournaments can be won uh, in a five hundred dollar kayak too so you know, uh, one of the things I was thinking of uh, that I like to ask our guests is, what's the best piece of fishing advice you think you've gotten, if you could pick one thing? Uh, you know, surround yourself with, with you know, positive people who are going to be helpful in, in sharing info. And, I mean, that's what it's all about, really, when it comes to fishing is just having, you know, meeting friends and enjoying your time in the outdoors and, uh, there's see a lot of those people in the, in the kayak community who are really genuine, uh, people who like and appreciate the outdoors and are wanting to, you know, in the same meet other, you know, kind of like-minded people that are, uh, they're going to learn from and, uh, they're going to, you know, that's what makes, you know, makes you a better fisherman is, is, uh, you know, having, having people to bounce ideas off of and, and, you know, time on the water. But, um, so that'd be a good piece of advice. <laughs> um. <laughs> cool. No, no. I a lot of people say uh, talk about this community that we have and how awesome it is. And I, I mean, I totally agree. That's one of the things that makes. And our get sports into special. you know a lot of the local. You don't have to for people where they're kind of new getting into this. You don't have to jump into one of the big Hobie tournaments or Bassmaster or KB. You know, there's plenty of local clubs and. Um, if you're new into in, in kayak fishing and just getting into it, you know, join a local club and it, it's a great way to, um, you know, to start out. Everybody's, you know, that I, I've met is, um, you know, nobody's judgmental. Everybody's really open-minded and, and willing to have, you know, new people, uh, share their time with. So, um, yeah, so I've been lucky enough to, to be part of a great club here in middle Tennessee with KBFTN and. Um, that's how it's, and then from there, I've, I've gotten into more regional and, and national events, and 
Um, but I'm, you know, that's where it all started, and I'm, I'm thankful for for all those good friends to kind of introducing me to all this. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, man, appreciate you coming on here. Uh, hope to see you at Dale Hollow next month. That'd be really cool. Yeah, you definitely. Able to make it out there. Um, is it two days? You say sixteenth and seventeenth, or is it one day? All right, it's sixteenth, seventeenth, and eighteenth. So three day, like people are camping out and stuff. Yeah, um, I, we're staying at the marina there. Um, act like listeners can reserve a room on a houseboat, fifty dollars a night per person, cool. and that's supposed to get you your your own private room and stuff. And then uh, all of us, the hosts and stuff, are going to be staying at a cabin together. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a cool time. You know, Richard out there at the marina, he's you know he's excited about it you know they got a little bar and restaurant there at the marina and so you know jl folks is going to be playing that saturday night there at the bar so you know we'll probably be a bunch of us go down there and maybe have a beer or two and listen to him play and uh yeah it's gonna be a fun time gonna have a little little tournament on saturday morning uh so a lot of people okay Cool. Yeah. I'll try to spread the word and tell a few of my buddies and try to, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. I'm sure a lot of them will be interested in it. Yeah, we, I, I think we're going to have a, well, we are going to have quite a few people because almost every host here at Paddle and Fins going. Uh, I, I think we got like 11 or people coming just with Paddle and Fins, and that's not counting like listeners or anything. So, Dude, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds like a great time. Awesome. Well, yeah, really thank you guys for letting me come on and uh, talk to you and uh, really enjoyed it. And I'd you know, also like to thank my sponsors, of course, uh, Pyrod Fish. I was about to ask you about that. <laughs> Dakota Lithium. Uh, they've been, been with me all year and uh, it's been a, a huge part of, you know, enabling me to, to, to live life on the road here and travel around and do these tournaments. And I'm really grateful for, for all their support. Um, um, how, how about any uh, kayak sponsors that might be coming up? <laughs> <laughs> soon, soon. We're trying. I, I don't want to jump in the middle of something. You know, I'm kind of waiting until the season's winding down. I don't, especially with the two, you know, two of the biggest tournaments of the year coming up. I don't. Uh, I want to make sure I'm I'm using something that I'm that I'm comfortable with. Um, so, but I'm excited for the for the future and, and what's to come and. Um, it's gonna be nice, I guess, after yeah, and decided this winter having a bit of a break to, um, yeah, be able to do some fun fishing, uh, hang out with friends, and you know, do stuff like this. What's going on in Dale Hollow? So, uh, should be fun. Wait, man. Awesome. Uh, what about what about social media? You want to shout out any social media where people follow you? I'm just uh, Instagram and um, Facebook, both. Just my name, Russ Snyder's, uh, Russ with one S, R U S, last name Snyder's, S N Y D E R S. Uh, should be able to find me in both of those. Awesome, man. Well, uh, Russ, thanks again for coming on. I know you've been on some of the other segments, and it's about time we get to steal you from them for once. Nah, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. again, well, uh, thank you, and um, listeners, uh, definitely, uh, Give a thought to checking us out at Dale Hollow. Um, see if you can make that event. 
Um, but thanks again for listening to our podcast. Uh, this has been the Bassfish for Noobs segment of the Paddle and Fin Podcast, bringing you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Thanks, guys. Let Have a go. good one, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle in Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20 and save 20% on all your jig and tackle needs.